0: Oilers now with Bob Stoffer. weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio six
1: thirty Chad six thirty Chad and the Edmonton Oilers Hockey Club present the show that is everything Oilers Oilers now with Bob Stoffer. brought to you by Digitex Office Equipment Solutions North America wide yeah Digitex does that D I G I T E X dot ca on Oilers Radio six thirty Chad.
0: Welcome back, everybody. It's 106 in Edmonton. Bob Stopper and Brendan Escott with you. This is Oilers Now. It is brought to you for the eighth consecutive season by Digitex, who wish you and yours all the best during these challenging and uncertain times. Digitex.ca is Alberta's number one owned and operated place to buy office technology and software. Digitex has expanded to manitoba saskatchewan as well as british columbia uh we will tell you continue to texas on our ashley fine floors text line get the new floors you've always wanted with ashley fine floors 143rd street 111th avenue open monday through saturday um one of the themes of today's show we'd like to get your thoughts the orders are pretty much uh, all of all the big boys are going to play um uh, david dry nugent hopkins uh, darnell nurse um uh, Tyson Berry, they've all played north of 20 minutes per game. They are all in the lineup for the final ga- regular season game of the season tomorrow afternoon against Vancouver. Um uh, It would have been a basically a week off had uh, they not played uh, between the start of the play-in series or play-off series against the Winnipeg Jets. You can tweet us. AdWinters now. Tweet me personally, Bob underscore Stoffer. We will uh, tell you the guests on the show receive gift certificates to Japanese Village, open for takeout orders, full details at jvedmonton.ca. Our next guest may have, I think he'd be the first to admit, might have had a bit of a surprising NHL career, Uh he, did, he was a bit of a late bloomer in junior, played over 600 games in the National Hockey League, spent the last decade at least as an nhl assistant coach and has just re- uh, returned from texas where he guided canada to a u18 gold medal championship as head coach we welcome back to the show a former nhl player and coach dave barr dave it's bob Stoffer. how you doing i'm doing great bob how are you Good, and for full disclosure, we have a mutual acquaintance, a guy that I've known for 30-plus years, and a guy that you uh, worked with, I think, when you were a teenager, when you were trying to carve out a spot for yourself in junior hockey, he's an Edmonton-based lawyer, Doug Bodner. Uh, we both need to have better friends. I think we can establish that. Is that right?
1: 's been a long time mistake for both of us Bob <laughs>
0: <laughs> he's a great guy uh, all right so how, all right hey take us through that how did how do you end up getting uh, hooked up with Hockey Canada and, and getting this opportunity uh, to coach the team at u18 because you've been in the NHL for so long and I, I to be frank with you I was sort of surprised when I saw the I, I the, the announcement. I thought you'd just end up with a different NHL team, but just give maybe take us through a bit of that process if you could.
1: Uh, I've been, we got, I got let go about a year and four or five months ago, uh, roughly, um, during the season. And uh, I was working in San Jose running the penalty kill. We were first place in the penalty kill by a three percentage point, and I guess that wasn't enough. So got booted out of there with Pete DeVore and, uh, Goalie coach and another assistant. Um, so I've been without work, and we're still living in San Jose. So phone rings uh, early, very early April this year, and it's from Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan. I'm like, who the heck? Did, why, why would somebody be for me at 7:30 in the morning from Moose Jaw? And uh, it was an old acquaintance from, of mine, old friend who worked in the OHL, worked in the WHL, and, and uh, Alan Miller was just got a job with Hockey Canada. He said, Do "You want to?" Coach, we, we caught up for a bit, and he said, you want to coach the U18 team? And I said, sure. He goes, I'll call you back in four or five hours. I had no idea if it was head coach, assistant coach. I didn't care. I just wanted to get, get back into it. and uh, I knew it would be a great experience one way or the other. Uh, he phoned me back and said, I'd like you to be head. I said, fantastic. Um, so we found out who my assistants were. I had uh, some, uh, some great assistants, Mike Stuthers and Gord Dwyer. Uh, lots of experience, lots of different experiences. Both been head lo- longtime head coaches, so we had a lot of lot of uh, lot of experience in our group and working with younger players too. Um, so we're going to be working with mainly 17-year-olds. So I've done that for five years in Guelph, been around young guys, and then in the NHL you've got you know 19, 20-year-olds, just depending on your group coming in, and and they're still young guys, still learning. So. I enjoyed the teaching part, so I was I really look forward to the uh,
0: to the tournament. Uh, you mentioned uh, the San Jose penalty kill. Uh, do you want to hazard a guess who had the number two penalty kill in the league uh, in the, during the nineteen twenty season? because I was monitoring this on a day by day basis so that might be the hint. Edmonton had the second best penalty kill and I'm still like with all like Martin Jones had a tough year. I was surprised given the challenges that the Sharks were going through that your guys' PK was that good. So that speaks volumes of the work that you did there, Dave. So you get this chance to coach uh uh kids. You said 17-year-olds, it turned out you ended up coaching a 15-year-old as well. We'll get to Dylan Gunther in a second. Uh Connor Bedard the first ever uh Exceptional player for the Western Hockey League. You get him. You also got a, a kid Shane Wright out of the OHL. I mean, these are a couple underagers in that tournament. These are special special kids, aren't they, Dave? Uh,
1: fantastic. Um, it was kind of funny, you know, because we we knew the OHL. Most of the OHL guys had not played a game in 14 months when they came. You know, they came to under-18 Team Canada. Um. So you're kind of figuring how the heck do we get them up to speed? You know they've been skating, they've done three on three, they've done they've been getting a lot of ice time. So that wasn't necessarily the rust. It was more the physical contact and all the stuff that you don't do and and scrimmaging and skills and all that. Um, so we're trying to figure out how do we how do we get that into the uh, uh, the, the OHL guys and we only had three practices before our first exhibition game, and we had two practices after our first exhibition game. So we had five practices total, a total of I think three six hours of ice time, other other than the game against Finland. And so you go, okay, what do you do to get these guys going again? You know, so we we we, we figured out our schedule. Um, we had prior to the skates in Dallas, we had ten days of, uh, of, of uh, being quarantined. Sorry, I couldn't think of the word quarantine. Being quarantined in our, in our homes. This is the coaches as well. In our homes and then one travel day and then four days in the hotel. So we got to Dallas, not one person stepped out of their hotel room for four days. We got there on a Saturday night and Wednesday afternoon is when we got out of there to go, go to practice. So we hadn't seen the kids' faces. Uh, for real, you know, just all through uh, through Zoom calls. Um, so we had to kind of piece all this together. So it was kind of a unique environment for sure. Uh, other teams went through uh, some or a lot of what we went through, so it's not like we were in much of a disadvantage. We we're roughly all the same.
0: Well, so everybody's all the same, but you end up in a situation like you don't expect a 15 year old kid like Bedard to have been, you know, as dominant as he was in the tournament. Uh, he's playing for Regina in the WHL, Wright's, you know, not playing in the OHL. Those guys. I mean, I I know the track record of you in junior hockey. You were, with all due respect, not exactly on that level, and you still played over 600 games in the NHL. But it, I, I I were you stunned at what they accomplished during the course of the tournament? I, I mean, you guys lit some teams up. You blew out Sweden twice, 12-1 and 8-1, and Bedard's numbers and Wright's numbers were off the chart in that event, Dave.
1: Uh, it was a, it was a it was amazing. Bedard is uh, you know the 15 year old looks like a 15 year old uh, you know his face, um, but he has got ice in his veins. Um, he, I asked him one time we were sitting I think it was before the uh, the the semifinal game against Sweden, and he's sitting on the floor in the hallway. There wasn't a lot of room in our area there. It was kind of cramped. Uh, So he's sitting on the floor, and I I walk by him, and I go, hey, Connor, how are you doing? He goes, I'm good, coach. And I said, these are the games where you stand out, Connor, aren't they? And he goes, you know, I don't know, because I've never really played in a game like this before. (laughs) And I kind of laugh at him. I go, well, you know what I mean? I said, you know, these are the games that you rise up to. He goes, well, I guess we'll see. And he's just unassuming in a game he's never flustered. I never once saw him look flustered like where he he got a little frustrated with himself a couple times after the penalty shot where he didn't score. He kind of came back to the bench and he was, you know, he was kind of ticked in himself for not maybe having a better shot or or making a better play or scoring. And he, you could kind of just see him the resolve in him. He had done it one time earlier where he missed a great chance next shift he scored. And so you could kind of see it. I think it was the next shift or maybe two shifts after for him. Where he scored that backhand goal, I don't know if I've ever seen a goal scored like that before. Uh, pull it to your backhand in the slot, and as soon as it gets on your backhand, it's gone, and it's being launched into the exact, the only place where the goalie couldn't get handle on or get a piece of it. It was amazing. And Shane Wright, um, I don't even know if it's out there yet, but he broke his broke his foot in the. Uh, in the finish game was a broken a small uh, fracture in his foot a very playable he could play with it but he missed one game because of that and then then he missed one game because he had strep throat um and he was kind of fighting that the whole time so i had to manage him make sure i didn't play him too much because he was just it was mainly just energy he could breathe okay his, his, his throat was okay for breathing but he just his energy level was very low so had to manage how much I played him. And we got up in some games so I could just kind of sit him or or not play him on PK or or have him miss the odd five-on-five shift just to make sure I wasn't draining him for the next game because we ended up playing four games in five nights and in total seven and 11. So I was doing everything I could do to not, as I said, not drain him from from being the dominant player That he was. He just, he has that knack for, he's got an incredible shot, a great release, much like Bedard. The release is just phenomenal. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Just pull it into a hole, pull it in towards their feet, and then release it. And these guys just know how to shoot the fuck in the net.
0: We're joined by Dave Barr, head coach, Team Canada U18, longtime NHL player, and coach Bob Stoffer with you in others. Now Dave, I got a comparable and I threw this Craig Buttons way and he was like, wow. For, uh, for Connor Bedard, he reminded me of Marcel Dion. Marcel wow. was an, uh, an undersized, right shot guy with high end skill that he, he was deceptively competitive and played a lot. Like, he out, you know, Guillaume at, at their absolute height, Guilafleur was better, but Marcel had much better staying power than Guillaume Fleur. And then for Shane Wright, to me, he, he reminded me of a more skilled version of Patrice Bergeron. But uh, you you think there might be something? Is is that too going far too far back on Bedard and Marcel Dion?
1: Uh, well, not for me, unfortunately. But um, I think Dion is a great comparison. I was trying to think of players that he would you know play like at the NHL level, and I was having a hard time. I thought of Marty St Pierre. Um, but you know, left shot compared to right shot, uh, and he played a little bit different of a game. Yeah, uh, I think that Marcel Dion is a fantastic comparison for Bedard or Shane Wright. Uh, you know, I, I didn't I didn't really see the best of Shane Wright either. <laughs> he was still very impressive, uh, just because of his uh, because of the injuries and the, uh, and the and the his strep throat. Um, yeah. He's gonna he's gonna be a star, and and what I think is gonna put him above uh, other players is he's got that Patrice Bergeron Sidney Crosby desire to not it's almost like not not uh, prosper but to never you know give an inch type thing whatever. Like Crosby wasn't a very good faceoff guy after his first couple of years, so he. Learned how to take faceoffs, and I was one of the best faceoff guys in the league. He just was like, I'm not, you know, I was only 40% in the faceoff circle. It's not good enough. I got to be 60%. So he worked at it. He became it. It's just their desire to just not disappoint, not let them, not, not let people down. Uh, everybody loves to win. Um, the best players do not like to lose, and that's kind of how I see Shane Bedard. Oh, sure. It's
0: Shane right? Dave Barr joining us. Dave, uh, I went out and saw Dylan Gunther. The Oil Kings had, uh, before he left, I think uh, he played seven games in the downtown community arena. And I think I saw six of the seven. Uh, I got to tell you, I don't think he got to the level that we saw with the oil kings, and at least he didn't have, and maybe he didn't get the puck luck. I know he hit the crossbar a couple times. He ended up with four goals and seven points in seven games. Wright and Bedard both had fourteen points in seven games. Uh, what did you think of Dylan Gunther's performance? He's a draft eligible. It's going to go anywhere from two, three to to you know maybe two through seven in the upcoming NHL draft.
1: He, to me, uh, Dylan probably didn't get rewarded for as well as he played. From a coach's point of view, I would still to have Dylan Gunther on my team. I was putting out, like, uh, one of the biggest things we had a problem figuring out is who could penalty kill? Now, we're getting 16-year-olds who haven't played since they were, or 17-year-olds who haven't played since they were 16-year-olds, OHL guys, and then the WHL guys. As 16-year-olds playing on junior teams, they, you know, they don't get a lot of PK time and then a little bit limited this year. So who can penalty kill? I watched him penalty kill. He didn't even need to be told what to do. Um, he, he did so many things so well without us even instructing him what to do. Uh, he, he's, a, he's kind of a thin guy. He's young still yep. physically. Yeah, but he's strong on the puck. That was very evident. You see him going to, into situations where the other player on the other team might have a bit of an advantage, positionally and also a bit of an advantage size-wise. And Dylan would always or very or very likely would win that battle or that puck possession battle or that battle for position, whatever it was. He's one of my. He's, he might be my favorite player off the team um, at this point, and he's going to be a guy. I likened him to uh, one of my favorite unsung players in the NHL is Steve Larmer. Uh, Steve Larmer was left-handed, but extremely smart, very strong in the puck, and I think Dylan's just a, a little bit better skating Steve Larmer um that's how i view him can do everything could do everything helps you in any situation you know made need a goal ahead by a goal you got him on the ice and that's how i see dylan
0: well you would have played a lot against larmer when uh he was playing with savard and secord on a top line in chicago that's when they were playing the oilers in the mid-80s in the 85 playoff series we're doing yeah. right now uh by dave Bart. dave uh a couple more here for you and maybe just you know for for parents that got kids playing junior hockey uh just a thought on this your journey is a little bit atypical like you you know you didn't have uh, john chapman must have bred some offensive confidence in you because your career took off when you went to lethbridge and i'll never hear the end of it if if i don't slide in a john chapman reference in case he's actually uh listening because once in a while he does when he's pro scouting but your career took off in Lethbridge and it didn't happen overnight. And even in minor pro, you really had to kind of will your way to the NHL, didn't
1: you? Yeah, uh, you know, Jaffe. I, I think I was good enough. I just don't know if I was, I hate to say I'm, I'm immature, but I don't know if I, um, just the way my, my parents brought me up, I was never, uh, you know, I played as a 15-year-old. I lived in Riverbend. I played Midget B for Riverbend when I was 15, and then the next year I played for Ace Lang, double A, and oh, wow. I was the best player on the team. So I'd gone from not being able to make the team one year to the next year I was the best player in the team. And then junior hockey, like you said, I, had, uh, I was okay. And then that last year in Lethbridge, we had two defensemen, two veteran defensemen get hurt, and they were going to miss four or five months each. So John asked me if I wanted to play defense, and that was the best thing that ever happened to me. Uh, and, and also playing for him because if he didn't like the way you played, next day in practice, and this did happen, it's kind of crazy now, next day in practice he'd, uh, he'd get everybody to stop and take their gloves off and then he'd, he'd hand boxing gloves to, if, it was, if he was ticked at me, he'd hand me boxing gloves and then he'd give the toughest guy in the team boxing gloves and then you're just like, oh, dear God. And you'd have to box. And that was his way of saying, you know, Dave, you didn't play tough enough or whomever, you didn't play hard enough last night. So uh, it was a great thing for me. He challenged me to be a better player and it obviously stuck a little bit. And then uh, my first two, three years, uh, bro kind of played up and down a little bit more down than up and finally made it and uh, ended up having a pretty good career for sure. And, but but I, I think for, for all the uh, parents of junior hockey players, Um, It should be a fun experience. If you don't make it professionally, not everybody's going to make it professionally. Um, They they have a good chance of going to school after, CIF school after uh, all the players. Um, uh, So, I mean, my advice is uh, I made it as a 20-year-old. I had three teams interested me as a 20-year-old just to come to camp. I went to Boston's camp, and I wasn't going to be denied. I went there with a purpose and made it a rookie camp. Two of us made it out of uh, rookie camp. There were 70 guys at rookie camp, went to Maine camp, had a good camp, got a contract, and a $5,000 signing bonus. Wow. Well, that was big time at that time.
0: <laughs> Dave, how crazy is this? I played Midget B, then played AA for Ace Lang in the Southside Athletic Club, and uh, Guy Godowski and Craig Sturzer both went off to the NCAA, and uh, I stopped playing after that year. And i got to ask you on Lethbridge, who was the toughest guy? Was it Mark Magman? Would he have been the guy you didn't want to well, box? He's a pretty tough dude. There
1: was, is that right? No, there was one other player, Ray Rule, H-O-U-L-E, Um, native Canadian, and yeah. he was probably 175 pounds, five ten, maybe. Yep. He was scary. He just—he was a good hockey player. I think he got killed in a car accident in the last uh, ten years or so, but. He was just a incredible fighter, both hands. Uh, that I, I remember to this day, because he was a pretty good hockey player, too. He wasn't a, a goon, but he fought enough, and guys didn't want to find him. <laughs> but Mark Magnin was a, a real tough guy, great kid.
0: Uh, you guys had 14 players on the team that year, have more than 100 penalty minutes. That's typical of a John Chapman team. Dave, we're going to do this again sometime in the summer. Thank you for joining us here in Oilers Now, okay? My pleasure, Bob. There you go. That's Dave Barr. Won a gold medal for Canada's head coach, their U18 team. And, uh, again, a guy made it as a 20-year-old, literally willed himself into the National Hockey League. All right. uh, We'll tell you that guests on the show received gift certificates to Japanese Village Open for takeout orders. Full details at jvEdmonton.ca. And there's an old saying in the car business: "Cars cost less than with Tesco." Brent Ridge Ford, ten-time President's Award winner for customer satisfaction, open six days a week to serve you while following all COVID protocols to protect both customers and staff. Uncle Milt says they're low on used vehicle inventory, which makes now perfect time for you to sell. Let's get the gang. Uh, you can uh, hook up. Uh, Brent Ridge Ford will help you out. You can reach them, one or visit 3673 or visit BrentRidge.com. Quickly into your North Division Report for Craig Hummel at REMAX Excellence. Here is Brendan Escott. Playoff matchups are set. So we know Toronto hosting Montreal. First time in 42 years, in fact. That series begins Thursday the 20th. Edmonton, uh, as the two-seed, picks on the three-seed Winnipeg Jets. That one starts the night before. 7 o'clock puck drop. We've got an extended City Ford face-off show uh, beginning at 5. Of course, Edmonton uh, outscoring Winnipeg, as mentioned, 34-22 over those nine games that they had the 7-2 and record. And Vancouver, uh, four games left on the schedule to get out of the league, or the division's basement. Rather, uh, they are trying to catch Ottawa six points back, as it stands right now. All right, we will tell you this. Uh, this is this is our listenership for you. Two separate texts, one from a former WHL broadcaster, one uh, from a former WHL manager. Bob Rayhul played with the Red Deer Rustlers as well before going to Lethbridge, and that was typical. John Chapman brought a lot of those guys in, and uh, multiple people will tell you he was hard-nosed tough back in the day. Up next, playoff predictions with a cast of thousands off to a global news weather traffic update, Eileen Bell. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio,
1: 630 Chad.